chime in and as we go at any time. I'll try to keep an eye on that and, and engage with as many of the comments and questions as I can. But today's webinar is on the new uh, 2018 version of the ASQ's American Society of Qualities Certified Reliability Engineering uh, Body of Knowledge. And the, the body of knowledge is the basis of what they do their certifications for the Certified Reliability Engineer certifications. And the, uh, it was posted or published in, I believe, in July of this year, somewhere in early July. And I noticed it uh, along there somewhere. And notice that it's about seven years since the last one, seven or eight years now. And it's um, got quite a few changes. Uh, by, and by and large, overall, it's not a huge dramatic change. And it's like our industry. It moves relatively slowly, unlike some industries and technologies. But uh, there are some significant changes and things to keep in mind uh, as you uh, look at enhancing your own career or if you're preparing for the CRE exam itself or uh, recertification points, things like that. What are the topics that are included or not included? But the, the body of knowledge is the basis for what ASQ, anyway, is saying is what our profession does and what, what we as reliability professionals um, try to accomplish. And so, let me move on to the next slide here. The, the basic role of the body of knowledge, and, and just a quick, quick overview of how it comes about, is that it, it plays a, a placeholder for, like as I mentioned, what we do as reliability professionals. Now, the body of knowledge is huge. It, it covers a, a little bit of availability and maintainability type topics. It includes design for reliability. It includes a lot of statistics. It includes uh, leadership type things, uh, working within organizations, ethics, a broad spectrum of things. And as far as I know, no one person in a particular role does all of those things. Um, it would be a, a massive uh, uh, job to have all of those duties. And so it's, Unusual that any one person would do all of those things, but in aggregate, uh, the various roles and responsibilities as the, the sole reliability professional in your organization or as part of a larger team or as a consultant, we all, by and large, pick up pieces and, and bits and more or less all of these different tasks that are included in the body of knowledge. Now, the way it's created is a, a group of, of our peers essentially get together and say, well, what is it that we do? What are the topics and, and elements that make up the, the professional um, knowledge base of what we do as uh, reliability professionals? And it's a committee, and I think it goes over two or three different sessions and different groups of people. It gets reviewed and, and wordsmithed, and then it gets reviewed again, and, and then it becomes published as our body of knowledge. And, and the body of knowledge then uh, goes out to people that are writing questions for the CRE exam and saying we need to evaluate these different concepts 
uh, everything from hypothesis testing to reliability block diagramming, for example. And then those become the questions that go into the exam. So that's its overt process or, or, or basis of what it is and what it does. But keep in mind that the, it's a reflection of what our peers, groups of our peers that have been invited to contribute to define the body of knowledge, uh, are basically saying this is what we do. It's a reflection of our practice. And I, I was lucky enough, oh, it was about oh, 10, 15 years ago um, for the 2008 version of the model, uh, body of knowledge, is that I, or 2009 copy of it, I think it was, I was participant in one of those discussions. And the directions were very clear. This is what we do, not what we should do. So it was, uh, even though I battled against including anything to do with MTBF, there was enough people say, well, that's what we do. That's, that's part of our world, and we need to include that as a reflection of what we do. So it's intended to be a, a, a snapshot of what we do in our, in our, as reliability professionals. And it's not perfect. Uh, there's things that each of us would probably say, no, we don't do that, or that's not useful. Yet there's a, a, enough emphasis on it and that it still exists. The other part is, is that it's also used, and I've used it when I was building out uh, curriculum for different organizations, as a basis for what we need to know. Uh, when I first learned about the body of knowledge, it was well before I got the uh, certification, it laid out, well, what is it I was supposed to do? What are the types of topics that I should be uh, conversant with and be familiar with? And when I first got started in engineering, in, in the more of the reliability side of things, I really only did accelerated life testing. And then later expanded that out to block diagram models because I read about it in the body of knowledge. Oh, what's that? Let me explore that a little bit. Oh, I could use that. That would be useful for what I'm trying to do. And, the results of the accelerated testing uh, would fit nicely into a block diagram. And so I used it as a point of reference, really, for what is it that I'm supposed to do. So if I'm considering myself a reliability engineer, what are all the types of things that I should uh, offer as a service and provide a, an expertise on? And so Naturally, as I moved more into the design for reliability world and working with design teams, um, I learned about more and more tools uh, that applied, uh, that helped improve the, the reliability performance of the product, and they were right in the body of knowledge. So I've used it in those ways, and, and you may use it that way also. So I guess that's my next question really is, the chat window is open. So how do you use the body of knowledge? Are, are you familiar with it? Is it a, a touchstone for you? Or is it a, a guide? Or, or maybe you're preparing for the CRE and it's, um, so it's something that you need to, to review and understand all those various comments. So how do you use the body of knowledge? And do you use the chat window? And let me know what your, your thoughts are on that. get a sip of tea here because I'm still recovering from a cold so hopefully my voice isn't too bad might actually be better I'm not sure
it, Michael's getting ready for the CRE. Yep, it's a good reference. Yeah, it's, you know, it's an outline, so it's pretty cryptic, and there's a lot of uh, depth in any one of those topics and sections. I mean, there's whole books just on accelerated life testing. Yeah, the things, one of the, and you're exactly right, Ray, is one of the ways to use it is to, to learn about what you didn't know you didn't know. Just break open that a little bit, get uh, this guidance from your, uh, and Raleigh, there's a link, uh, and I'll bring it back up again uh, near the end of the presentation, but just search for ASQ CRE BOK, and you'll find a link to it. Yeah. Yep, yep. Everybody's, you know, got slightly different uses. If you're preparing for the exam, oh, good. And Sean, yeah, there's, uh, as I mentioned, there's a link for it. It's a, it's a nice little touchstone. And so if you haven't seen it before, um, uh, get on another browser window and search for ASQ, CRE, BOK, uh, three words, and then um, you can get a view of it. It lists a lot of topics, and it's just an outline form. It has three different levels. Uh, I didn't uh, think to add a, a particular quote or a link in here in the presentation, uh, but I'll be reviewing a lot of their different pieces of it, uh, mostly the what's changed. So, um, and, and Kirk, you don't use the body of knowledge. Uh, um, yeah, we're going to have to talk about that. Uh, Kirk is one of the co-authors or co-hosts on the Speaking of Reliability uh, 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 podcast. So, we'll have to, I'll have to ask you more about that, Kirk. Um, Oh, thanks for posting the link. Appreciate that. There you go. That should be a live link, and you'll be able to get right to the document. That's great. All right. Now, for the handful of you that are, are preparing for the CRE, um, this will uh, – the additions is kind of bad news because these are new areas that you're going to have to uh, be prepared to answer questions on. Now, some of them are bits and pieces that are already across the body of knowledge, and they've been consolidated. Uh, some of them are relatively new. And then a few others, I'm not really sure why they're there. Uh, and let's, let's dive into a few of those things. And then I'm going to talk about deletions. The, the, there's even more things that have been taken out or consolidated and reduced in its importance. And then we'll talk about some of the ramifications of the overall uh, uh, changes that, uh, at least from my point of view, and I'd be very interested in, for those that have taken a look at the two body of knowledge, is uh, what your thoughts are on it. But the biggest change, and, and it jumps right out at you in the first time you scan down this outline, is that there's a, a, a new major section. Well, first off, we went from seven major topic areas uh, to five, so a couple of them have been consolidated or combined. And risk management was bits and pieces of it were across the body of knowledge. The things like FMEA and fault tree analysis and a few others like that were, were already in parts of the, of the body of knowledge. And so those got combined into the tools of risk management. So the risk management tools segment is a collection of all, many things that we're already familiar with, like hazards analysis, for example, is a, a natural tool that helps us to understand the highest priority risks that we're facing. But they have two major new sections that tend to align with the new ISO standards that are putting more and more emphasis on risk and risk management programs. ISO 31000 
is a risk management framework. And it's an outline of how to be, how to organize across an organization, not just for reliability, but across an organization to identify and mitigate risks that the organization is facing. So it could be business risks or market risks or financial risks or uh, political risk. Uh, risk is uh, an unexpected outcome or change. And it doesn't have to be adverse. It could be good. Uh, yet the, the risk management techniques has a number of different topics in it that are brand new to the body of knowledge. And the, be the better references that I'm aware of are the new ISO standards, which unfortunately are pretty expensive. Uh, the ISO 9000 series has got an em increased emphasis on risk management. Uh, ISO 31000 is a framework to build a program or a project or a system within your organization. And then there's, uh, there's a 14,000 series, there's a 5100 series that's more in asset management. And each one of the ISO standards that's come out in the last three, four years have included risk management. And so I'm not sure if the emphasis here is because people are doing risk management uh, in the reliability world, which seems like a good natural fit, or if it's more a reflection of the changes in the ISO standards. So um, I'm going to leave that as a question. Are you doing risk management type work specifically within the larger context of risk management? Or is it, um, does this reflect what we do? So I'll, I'll leave that as a question for the chat window if you can chime in on that. Because I'm just curious, if I wasn't in the, uh, the meetings that built this body of knowledge. So I'm very curious of what that discussion was. Uh, because I, in my world, I don't see it. I don't see people in reliability world, other than identifying reliability and availability risk of doing more corporate level type of risk management. Uh, although I certainly could be wrong because there's a lot going on out there. Few people are typing here. And then if this is an this risk area. Yeah. yeah and good point, Ryan. The medical field, which is large, um, does have to assess risk, and especially for patient harm. Um, and in the utility business, good. All right, Gene. All right. Yeah, I guess I'm working in the wrong uh, realm. Uh, so risk priority numbers, the, the, those kinds of things in FMEA, um, not really, yeah. Not a lot for some folks. Um, rapid risk assessments. I don't know what that is, Michael. We'll have to maybe talk offline and get some more of that. Uh, but you're right, human factors is a, is a piece of it. Um, 
it's it's a growing area. Uh, uh, on Ascendo Reliability, Greg Hutchins and the CIRM Risk Insights uh, series of articles have been writing about risk and risk management for a couple of years now. I've been starting to write more articles on it uh, as I get more feedback saying, hey, what is this stuff? What is a risk profile? What is the, how do I fit into it? So I've seen some emphasis on it, some increased uh, information coming out on it. Uh, but there's, I, I expect we're going to see a lot more in the next couple of years now that it's part of the CRE. I think even the uh, um, ASQ's reliability division has changed their name for, to reliability and risk. So it's a number of interesting things that are moving into this terminology. All right. You know, this one caught me by surprise. I'll just mention it and we'll, we'll look at some of the other ones. <clears throat> but I had to look over and over at the old body of knowledge. Um, there was no root cause analysis in there. We had failure analysis, which is a piece of root cause analysis. And there were you know, areas where we certainly talked about root cause analysis as being a good practice. Uh, yet when I saw it listed as an addition to the body of knowledge, I went back and read the old one carefully, and it's not called out specifically. I think it was part assumed underneath other things. There were certainly uh, failure analysis, uh, non-destructive and destructive tools and techniques. There was uh, failure analysis, corrective actions, things like that. Yet RCA wasn't called out specifically. So it's it's a welcome addition, in my opinion, that uh, we all should be very well versed in. And there's a bunch of other additions. Um, and, and things that have increased in its their importance, their level of cognition that we need to be aware of it. Uh, here's just a couple of examples. Uh, data management is a segment now underneath the uh, uh, statistics realm, and it's basically a collection of some of the older, uh, the other pieces that were scattered across the, the product. And it's grouped with the statistics tools, so which is, makes sense. We often are applying statistics on data that we have to gather and manage and so on. So that made perfect sense. Another area was performance management was added. Uh, there were some metrics and tracking uh, type things in the previous one. This is uh, bundling those together and increasing its importance. So in, what I was pleased with is it didn't mention MTBF in that segment. And so it's going to, I think, going to, take time for us to, to flush out what is meant by the, the terms here of performance management. And has anybody heard of a quality triangle? Uh, it's also called an iron triangle. Uh, it's got about eight or nine other names, mostly in project planning uh, uh, systems, engineering type world. Has anybody heard of or used a quality triangle? When I dug into more of what was what is a quality triangle, a quick Google search turned up, I think, three fundamentally different uh, definitions of a quality triangle. So it's uh, we all I've heard of the the project management one of uh, time. Uh, it's it's a resource management uh, tool to prioritize where we focus on. Do we want time to market to be the focus, or do cost to be the focus? or, or uh, manpower uh, the, uh, uh, to be the focus, or it could be something else. And 
what I found is that there's this one's going to be tough to write questions for or test for because the project management world doesn't have a consistent set of terminology around this in defining what a quality triangle is. And so it could be quality, uh, cost, and time, or and that's just one of them that comes to mind immediately, but there's a number of others. And yeah, so this is a relatively new one. Now, this isn't um, house of quality. House of quality, we often consider as the quality functional deployment, QFD. Yeah, so quality cost schedule is one. Uh, and there's a handful of others, Karen, that uh, define this thing. So it's going to be interesting how that one pans out. Uh, it doesn't look like a major piece yet. We'll see how that one pans out. But overall, um, the elevation of risk management, I guess from the responses we got here, is that it is part a number of different industries. And we also see it in the ISO standards. So it's going to get pushed out to more and more industries. So this, to me, it wasn't initially a surprise, yet I kind of saw it coming. And many of you already are, are, are in that. Yeah, and Zoo, yeah, Markov is gone. And, and we'll talk about some of the other deletions here in a second. There's a, there are more surprises in what's been deleted. Now, a big part, and my takeaway from what's been added and changed in this way is this um, elevation of risk and risk management. Reliability, as we all know, uh, can lead to recalls, it could lead to customers being harmed, it could lead to a huge warranty bills, uh, it, and, and vice versa, it could do all those things well and, and mitigate all those potential adver ad adverse risks. Yet it's now we're looking at fitting into a larger risk management framework within an organization all the way up to the board level for publicly traded companies or to the owners or to the senior managers. Now, in some organizations, the reliability group already is in direct communication with people that need to understand the magnitude of what the risks are related to products reliability performance. Uh, in other